Good morning, church. I love the enthusiasm this morning and the power of the Spirit. And so my prayer is that that continues as I share from the Scriptures, that the Spirit would be here with us and that we would be edified by what you hear. So we're continuing in Proverbs this morning, the pursuit of wisdom. I'm going to be talking about diligence in Proverbs. Three weeks ago, we heard from Matt about wisdom, the skill of applying knowledge and living well in God's world. As you might recall, Matt said that knowledge is identifying the quicksand while wisdom is walking around it. Two weeks ago, we heard about the fear of the Lord and how that fear of the Lord should trump the fear of man. Last week in our Proverbs series, we heard the prayer of Agur. Give me the correct amount of money, Lord, to optimize my relationships. Don't give me too much or too little. And this week, we're going to talk about diligence, which is a precept or a building block of wisdom. And I want to start today by introducing a friend of mine, a brother in Christ. Uh, his name is Chris Brock, and Chris came out this morning to be part of our service here at Northwest Community Church. I've known Chris for several years, and uh, he's a friend of mine and also a business partner. And uh, I've taught Chris a little bit about business, and Chris has taught me, or I've learned a lot about diligence from him and what diligence might look like in a different occupation. And so I appreciate you being here, Chris. I'm going to share just a couple minutes of an interview uh, that I did of Chris earlier this week so you can learn about him a bit more and understand what diligence looks like in a different circumstance. So Chris tells me that he was saved as a young man, um, became a, a believer, but he drifted away and got involved in some trouble in his early 20s. And Chris was into drugs. He said he was a hoodlum. And uh, one night uh, he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, here I am. I'm in a dark apartment. I have no food, no light, no power. And Lord, Lord, help me. And the Lord spoke to him. The Lord told Chris, you're going to be something worthwhile. You're going to do great things. Chris tells me he always wanted to create something. And so he went to school and he created a small logistics company that moves freight. And that's how I got to know Chris. I've been developing a safety product for tractor trailers. And Chris and I have partnered. He's been testing out some of the designs that I've built. And so tr uh, Chris actually has quite a schedule. His diligence probably looks different than what ours looks like. So Chris runs the mail. His company runs the mail down to South Carolina six days a week. And his day begins between 2 and 3 a.m. when he gets up to pray and to think and prepare himself for the day. And then he runs down, delivers the mail, comes back. And so he says, I run a 9 to 5 day, but my day just happens to start at 3 a.m. I love that perspective. It just happens to start at 3 a.m. So diligence looks different for every person. And now Chris is attempting to launch an apprenticeship program to train youth for the logistics industry. So Chris defined diligence for me. I said, Chris, what is diligence? He said, being accountable for your own spiritual, mental, and physical growth. I love that definition. And I want to commend you, Chris. Um, continue on. Keep pushing. Be diligent, and the Lord will bless your efforts. So thanks again for being here, brother. Appreciate that. So Chris's life verse 
is this, Proverbs 10:4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And that's going to be one of the verses that we focus on today. A following verse is Proverbs 14:23. Feel free to turn there if you like. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Toil is one of those words, I think there was a top 10 list last year of the most hated words in the English language. I don't know where toil was in that list, but it probably should have been on the top 10. It's long, strenuous, fatiguing, hard work. And the Lord designed us to work. But I believe the fall is what created toil. Genesis 3.17 says this, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Your job probably doesn't start at 3 a.m., but if you look under the hood of every profession, it's toil. There's difficulty, there's adversity. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you run a big company, it's difficult. My job, I do what's called accident reconstruction. So I'm an engineer, I work in the forensics field, and most of my time I spend driving around looking at accidents, trucks, cars, trains, that's the fun stuff. But the toil of my profession is getting ready for the second part of my job, which is giving testimony as an expert witness. And so the toil is in the hardship of the anxiety of the unknown, trying to prepare for like a verbal battle with an attorney or getting ready to, to try to stand up in front of the jury and uh, make sure my numbers all make sense. So the toil is there and the scars from my business, you know, the, the lack of sleep or the, the second guessing. And so each one of you has your own particular toil. But what do we do with that? Well, we're called to toil well. We're called to suffer well and to do our very best. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. So we're called to embrace the difficulty. Maybe even enjoy the suffering. Be resolute. I know after a long day, coming back home, maybe you did something like worked in the yard or, or helped a friend put in a fence, you feel like you accomplished something. And you can sit down on the couch and open a beer or drink some lemonade and reflect on what you have accomplished. But compared to Chris, we're all pretty lazy. I'm pretty complacent, slothful. I mean, David Amen, I don't think he starts work till nine. That Laird Hepburn guy, he just likes to take it easy and talk on the phone. <laughs> so your diligent life not, is not going to look like Chris's life. It's not going to look like my life. But that's okay, because the Lord, he looks at the inside, not the outside. He knows that you're giving 100% at what you do for his glory. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. 
But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So hasty decisions. I've made a few of those, Casey will tell you. We decided to have our kitchen redone, and um, we wanted to do the white cabinet thing. So I jump on Craigslist, and I type in kitchen tile, and I grab the first guy, and it was the worst tiling job you might have ever seen. So when you come into our kitchen, don't look too hard at the tile. Diligence isn't just about putting in the effort. It's about planning, forethought, some patience. And when I look around the auditorium here, I see people who are living diligent lives. I see wise living. I see that you've pursued skills in education. I know you're working strategically. You're investing in your families. You're taking care of your bodies. I mean, heck, I, I think some of you do F3 and do crazy adventures, 50 or 75 miles of running. These, these things that are above average and I want to commend you for that because consistent diligence pays dividends in every area of your life. The hand of the diligent makes rich. So because of the way you've been and you are, you're able to be self-sufficient. You're capable of helping other people. You're able to give to a church to see the gospel spread. You're passing along these principles to the next generation. Some of you have passed the 50-yard line of life, and you're diligently using the time that you have, because maybe you're not at a profession anymore, but you're giving your time and your energies, because you've realized that diligence is really the main ingredient to winning at life. So I want to commend you all. I want to read you just a little bit from Jonathan Edwards. <clears throat> Edward's resolutions resolve that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and to my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never, so many myriads of ages hence. Resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and most good an advantage of mankind in general, resolved to do this whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great soever. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it the most profitable way I can. And I pray that we would all be resolved, firmly determined like Jonathan Edwards to make the most of our time and to improve it the most profitable way that we can. So is all scripture really God-breathed? We believe it is, right? Is it really useful for teaching and reproof and correction, like 2 Timothy says? If so... What about the sluggard of Proverbs? How does that apply to us at Northwest Community Church? One of my favorite verses, my dad is here today, and uh, he used to say this verse with a smile on his face to us keeper kids. A sluggard 
buries his hand in the dish, and it wears him out to even bring it back to his mouth. Don't you love that picture? The slightest exertion is too much. I mean, I've been tired, but never too tired to eat. The keeper sluggard, he orders from Amazon, but it wears him out to bring his packages in from the front porch. Anybody, anybody have trouble with that? Proverbs 13.4 says this, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So why are sluggards sluggards? There's probably a variety of reasons. Something that I think is distinguishing is the desire for immediacy. The sluggard has trouble deferring gratification. He wants but doesn't receive because he wants a quick gain. He wants a fast nickel versus a slow dime. But you guys are diligent. Can we ignore the sluggard of Proverbs? Let me ask you this. What deserves diligence? We've talked about your occupation, education. We've talked about a healthy body. We touched on making money, being self-sufficient. But are those things of eternal value? I'm 42 this year, so I'm asking some midlife questions. And I read a book called Halftime by Bob Buford. And in this book, Bob says this quote, which I love. The first half of life is a quest for success. The second half is a quest for significance. So I want to spend a lot of our time that we have remaining talking about what does diligence look like in the light of eternity? What is truly significant? Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. All of these earthly things that we concern ourselves with. In Matthew 22.37, Jesus declares, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So how's your love life? How's your love life loving him and knowing about him? I'm weaker than I want to admit sometimes. I'm somewhat apathetic to spiritual disciplines. 
I do want the immediate gratification. My faith is somewhat limited. How about you all? And to be honest with you, I don't feel the power of the Spirit sometimes. Sometimes I wonder, is it just me? Proverbs 24.30 I pass by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man who is lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I reflected upon it, I looked and I received instruction. Sounds like some of the lawns in my neighborhood. Now that I'm in my 40s, I think I care more about my lawn than I used to. But the sluggard here in Proverbs, he can't be bothered by chores or upkeep. It's a picture of neglect. So spiritually, is your Bible overgrown with thistles? Is your prayer life covered in nettles? Sometimes I just want to open the Bible, read 10 lines and close the Bible and receive something. It's kind of like spiritual miracle grow. Do you take shortcuts? So looking at Proverbs and looking at the warnings of the sluggard through the lens of eternal significance, maybe we are sluggards. So in my opinion, one of the greatest risks to disciples who are actively making disciples is apathy, disinterest, boredom. So Proverbs 24 continues at verse 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and want like an armed man. Let's consider this in terms of spiritual poverty, spiritual want. In the 21st century, I think this is getting more difficult. I want to call the 21st century the age of amusement. So we're not just folding our hands for a little slumber, but what about folding our hands and turning off our minds and turning on Facebook or Pinterest or Twitter, maybe Fortnite or Minecraft, whatever game you choose. The purpose of social media is just to attract as many eyeballs and as many minds for as long as possible. And it give you that instant gratification of that cool picture that you took at the beach. Or you want to check in with your friends and see what they're doing making sure that you're having enough fun, making as much money as they are. There's an element of instant gratification as well, especially in gaming. I, nothing against gaming in general, but 
if you make a habit of conforming your mind to things of this world, if you make a habit of choosing amusement over things of the Lord, Proverbs tells us that spiritual poverty and want will come on as a robber. So we're all sluggards. But take heart. I'm right there with you. My spiritual muscles are weak. Sometimes spiritual disciplines feel awkward, tiring, useless, embarrassing. Tithing, fasting, and prayer, those are some things that are easy to forget about. But we're not a lost cause. I started playing water polo this year after not playing for 20 years. Water polo is kind of like hockey in a pool in slow motion. It's a very weird sport. But it's a challenging sport. I started again this year with a club, and I found myself out of breath for the entirety of whatever I was doing. The entirety of the game, I was out of breath. And my kids came to watch me play after a couple weeks of practice. And it was either London or Eli said, Dad, why did you spend so much time floating on your back? But it's getting a little bit easier. Despite injuries and things, my body is, is adapting. And it's not quite so awkward and embarrassing. I'm not always out of breath. And the same holds true for spiritual disciplines. When we practice them, we become more efficient. It's more rewarding. Let me ask you again, how's your love life when it comes to loving others? Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Are you diligent at making time for other people? Are you diligent with listening? Maybe encouraging? Giving your resources? People are eternal. Things are not. Galatians 6, 2. We are to carry one another's burdens. We're not alone. We need to diligently seek out Christian brothers and sisters for mutual encouragement. So what do we learn from Proverbs today? How does what we've talked about change us a little bit, inform us? I could tell you, be more loving, be more spiritual, be more diligent. That's true, but that falls a little bit short when we're talking about eternity. We're all sluggards, one way or another, compared to Jesus Christ. We're not called to do this on our own, but most importantly, and I can't overstate this, is we have the spirit of the living God inside of us. I felt some of that joy this morning when we were worshiping and clapping, encouraging one another. 
So who is this spirit? John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he abides with you and will be in you. So when it comes to loving him and loving others, we're doing that in cooperation. We have the spirit of the living God. And we need to rely upon that spirit. We're not just people walking around, doing our daily lives. So Proverbs is saying, do your part. Be diligent in things of eternity. Read, fast, pray. Ask the Spirit for what you need. Whomever asks will receive. Ask Him, and this is what I'm asking for, it's a desire. The desire to know Him more. The desire to be grateful for what He's done. Lord, change my heart. Give me diligence in loving others well. Help me listen, not just on a surface level while I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next, but help me really engage. Help me care for people well. Help me encourage. Challenge me. And thanks, Chris, for being a challenge to me. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate the things you've told me. It's, it's one thing to be challenged by someone you've known your whole life who's a lot like you, but it's something else to be challenged by a man or a woman who has lived a different life, has different experiences, brings some of that spirit to you that you haven't thought about or encountered before. So as we wrap up, Ryan shared a metaphor with me the other day, which I thought was pretty good. When it comes to the whole idea of diligence, the concept of a life that's eternally significant, how do we accomplish this? Well, it's not on our own. We can try hard for a few days, but... I open my phone up to read the Bible. Sometimes I find in five minutes I'm looking at Twitter. If you don't have that desire, it's never going to be permanent. Put up the, the sail of faith on your boat. You can't move the sailboat, but you can be ready to catch some of the breeze from the Spirit. So put yourself in that position to be used by the Spirit. So we've covered a lot of ground today. I want to commend you all to continue with your diligent lives. You've been earnest and energetic. You attend to your education. You're devoted to your marriages. You're steady in parenting your children and maybe your grandchildren. You give honest effort, especially at the office when you're toiling. And it's cause and effect, common sense. A lot of the 
the, the wisdom I see here is due to your diligence. You've built careers. You have a life partner. Your kids love you. You have resources to care for yourself, and you have an abundance to give to others. But most importantly, I pray that myself would have empowerment by the Spirit for diligence in eternal things, which maybe aren't as exciting or maybe they're more difficult. Diligence in eternal things is so much more important than diligence at your job or in this life in any way. So my prayer is, Spirit, come and teach me. Give me a love for others. Give me a love for you, Lord. And I want to leave you with this charge to do your part. Be diligent and set that sail for the Spirit. Thanks for letting me teach you all this morning, for being here. I pray that the Spirit will edify and take what I've said and make it applicable in your particular lives and your circumstances. Let me pray for us real quick. Lord, thank you so much for Northwest Community Church. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be a family of disciples who are making disciples. Lord, prompt us. Help us not to miss your spirit. Prevent us, Lord, from apathy. Prevent us from being distracted by amusement. Lord, give us what we need on a daily basis to love you well, to know you. And Lord, likewise, give us the capacity to love others. Give us the diligence to seek out fellowship. Help us know how to encourage. In our own marriages, Lord, give us words and follow through with our spouses. Lord, thanks that you are a great God. You are much greater than than this small church, Lord. Thank you that we have Christian brothers and sisters across the triangle, across the world. Lord, and I pray that we would be diligent in encouraging and loving, Lord. Thanks for Chris and for his willingness to share his life with us today. In your name, amen.